Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. We are in week three of a series called Love Lies. Anybody been enjoying this series so far? Come on. And uh, today we're going to have a little bit of fun. And uh, we're going to take a look and continue um, at some of the lies that you and I tend to believe in in this area of our relationships. And what, what's hard to, to find sometimes is that when you live in a world of lies, it's difficult to find the truth. And so what we believe here at Renovation is we're gonna not listen to what the world says or our feelings say, but we're gonna go to the word of God. We're gonna open it up and we're gonna allow him to speak into us, amen? amen. And so uh, we, we're taking a look at the life of a guy named Samson. And uh, you can find his story starting in Judges 13. And he goes all the way to verse 16. And, uh, and Samson is interesting because if you've been following along, we, we see this man with great strength. We see this man with great potential, with a purpose given from God. But then we also see these failures. We also see these mistakes that he continues to make week after week after week. And we're going to see even more today. And we kind of summarized and said this about Samson's life is that Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. And uh, what, I, what I wanna do is, is I wanna take a look at something that maybe you're not familiar, at and, familiar with and uh, it's because we haven't talked about it yet maybe, but I wanna fast forward a little bit and I just wanna, I wanna draw your attention to a, a passage we found in scripture that really to me was perplexing because in Hebrews chapter 11, um, that passage, that, that chapter, obviously then they didn't have chapters, but that portion of scripture is what we call now the Hall of Faith. So some of you are familiar with the Hall of Fame, right? It's where the heroes, it's where the best players go. And in this chapter, the writer of Hebrews, uh, he starts to list off the Hall of Faith, men and women of great faith that for us to look after or look to as an example. And as you read Hebrews 11, some of the names mentioned in it make sense. Some of them, some of them don't, but but here's what it, it's not gonna be on the screen, so you have to follow along. But in Hebrews 11, he starts to list off these people and, and he lists off Noah, which Noah makes sense. Noah was the one who built the ark and, and brought him and his family and all the animals in and, and kind of and survived the storm, survived the flood. It, he lists Abraham and Sarah, who after years and years and years of not being able to get pregnant, get pregnant and Abraham faithfully serves God. And it lists Joseph and lists Moses. But in verse 32 of Hebrews 11, here's what it says. It says, how much more do I need to say? It would take a, too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, of Barak, not Obama, sorry, uh, of Samson, hold on, Hall of Faith. It would take too long for him to recount all of the amazing stories of faith from Samson, from Jephthah, from David, from Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put the whole armies to flight. And here, here's my question. Why would Samson be listed as a man of great faith when Samson was a man with a list of great failures. Isn't it interesting that as we've read this story, we really haven't seen a lot of Samson's strengths come out. And even today, we're gonna to continue to see Samson fail. And 
He's listed in the hall of faith as someone of great faith that we should look to. See, Samson wasn't a righteous man all the time. But Samson was a rooted man. Samson was rooted, his strength was rooted in something deeper and those roots ran deeper than his mistakes. And so before we recap the past couple of weeks and take a look at all of Samson's failures, I think we should spend a little bit more time maybe taking a look at Samson's roots. Because we got, all got roots, don't we? Where are your roots? For me, my roots are in Gladeville, Tennessee. Some of you are like, I don't even know where that is. It's between Mount Juliet and, and Antioch, kind of. It's this little town for a long time. We had one stop sign, and, and that's my roots. That's where I learned to play ball. That's where I learned to fish. That's where I learned to hunt. Come on, somebody. That's where I learned to love country music. And, and you can maybe hear that in my slang. Why? Because your roots always come out, don't they? But for some of you, that's confusing because you didn't know somebody in skinny jeans can kill a deer. <laughs> and you didn't know somebody who kind of has this uh, different lean, and that's because I also planted roots in the city of Memphis. And Gladeville and Memphis are a lot different. When I moved to college, I planted my roots in the city of Memphis for five years. And, and one of the things I learned early on was that, you, you know, you, you can take the, the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. You know what I'm saying? And I found myself working in North Fraser in Memphis. And I learned quickly that I can't just rock my camo in North Memphis and have any influence or maybe get shot, right? Like I had to I had to change. And so as I put roots down in Memphis, that's kind of where that maybe some of you have heard people say, you're kind of country, but you're kind of ghetto. I can't really figure it out. Like that's where the roots come from, Gladeville and Memphis, two, two different places. But Memphis was also the place where I found my roots spiritually, where I, I became a Christian in my third day of college. Memphis was the city. It was the place that I, I followed Jesus for the first time and where I learned to follow Jesus. It was the place where I found community in a church and in a college ministry. It was the place where God spoke to me and told me, this is what I created you to do. This is your purpose as I worked in the inner city. And then he said, and this is what it's going to look like for you to make a difference for my name's sake. And and your roots always shine through. I mean, even what I just shared, you can hear it in our vision statement. Our vision statement at this church is we wanna help you follow Jesus and find community and discover your purpose and make a difference. It's where the roots kind of come through and just come out of me. And the truth is, is we all have roots and our roots will always shine through. And I know that because see, I know you're here and maybe you're quiet right now and you're you know, you're sitting down and you wore your Sunday best or, you know, you're looking good. Maybe you're single looking to mingle. It's relationship series. Um, maybe you're here and you're like, I'm just coming to church today and get my praise on. And so you're kind of, you're kind of, but your roots will shine through. And, and the way I know is because I bet right now, and we're not going to do it, but I bet right now, if I was to tell my boy Reese in the back to cut on a little music and the cha-cha slot came on and you heard the DJ say, hands on your knees, hands on your knees, your roots will come through. Your roots will come through. Ladies, you know how this works. That you, you can spend as much money as you want and you can highlight your hair, low light your hair. I don't even know what that means. But eventually your roots will shine through. Amen? I feel you're judging me, ladies. Speaking of judges, let's go to Judges 13 and look at Samson's. Let's go to Samson's roots before I get myself in trouble. This is Samson's roots. You want to know where Samson came from? In, Sam, in Judges 13, verse 5, it says, it's gonna, you're going to follow along here. 
says, you will become pregnant. The angel is talking to his parents and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. That's his purpose. From birth in his mother's womb, God gave him a purpose. Can I just tell you that you've been given a purpose that isn't dependent on your behavior? That from the very beginning, when God created you and had you in mind, he had a purpose that he wants you to walk out in order to make a difference in this world. So from birth, he says, Samson will take lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Jumping down to verse 24 says, so the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtal. That's what every mom wants for their son. Am I right, moms? You want your son to grow, to be blessed by God, and to have his spirit stirred in the Lord. This was his, his roots, and it says that he grew up. I grew up in Gladeville between two cities. He grew up in the camp of Dan. Now, this is significant because, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bible nerd a little bit, and, but, but in Scripture, names were of real purpose. They were given for specific reasons. And so what I'm gonna do real quick is I'm gonna kind of show you where his roots are. So it says he grew up in the camp of Dan. Dan means the training ground. Are you following me? So, so Samson grew up in a city known as the training ground between Zorah, say Zorah, and Eshtal, say Eshtal. So Zorah means the place of the wasp. The devil is a lie. I am not about no wasp. I don't care how strong you are. If you see a bunch of wasps, you are gonna scream like a little five-year-old. Am I right? So he grew up in, in the camp between the place of the wasp. Other translations say the, the place of pain. It, it was the place that people would go to find healing from their wounds. Oh, come on. So he grew up in Zora, between Zora and Eshtal. Eshtal means the place of questions. So the place that God put Samson to develop him, to cause him to grow and to stir in his spirit the purpose in which he gave him was in the training ground between the place of pain and the place of questions. Mm. Oh, if we would learn how to plant some roots in the middle ground of the place of pain, and of questions. Because see, a lot of times when we experience pain and questions, what we hear is pain means leave. Questions mean run. And we will, we will leave the place in which God is trying to train you for your purpose so that when you experience great pain, out from the roots comes great purpose. I just wonder what would happen like if we learned what it meant to stay. I think that's a word for Nashville. I think that's a word for Middle Tennessee because when things get uncomfortable and we get questions and we experience pain, the easy thing to do is run, am I right? But how many of you know that the longer you stay, the deeper the roots will go? And so Samson, he's, he's here in this camp of Dan between the place of, of great questions and the place of great pain, and this is his roots. This is the place in which God decided to to use him. And then he eventually comes to the place where he decides to, 
leave his roots. Let me stop here. This should be an encouraging sermon for some of us because um, what we see in Samson's life, though he experiences great failures, his roots always shine through. And I just wanted to tell you that when God has given you a purpose from birth and he has planted a seed of grace in your heart, you can't outrun the grace of God. And no matter how far Samson runs and he leaves his roots and he leaves the place he called home, the place where he's trained, no matter how far he runs, his roots always shine through. And I just want to encourage you, like no matter how far you run, no matter what you do, there's some roots that have been planted by God. There's been some seeds that you can't see on the surface, but that in times of great pain and purpose, the prayer is, is that that would come out of you. And so he he finds his roots there and then he leaves. And in week one, we talked about how Samson leaves his roots and he decides to go down to Timnah. And he follows his heart because when he goes down to Timnah, he finds this fine woman that he just has to have. We called it the lie of lust. That was week one, where we, we look and we believe that when we see something, we're like, ah, I want it. I gotta have it. And if I can get it, then I would be good. And what happens is as Samson sees this woman, he's going down to visit her in, her in her hometown and on the road, he gets attacked by a lion and God fills him with great strength and he uses the strength that God gave him in order to accomplish his purpose to kill the lion with his bare hands. And then wedding day comes and he's traveling back on the road to go marry this woman who, by the way, he wasn't supposed to marry. But when the lie of lust comes in, you will throw out all logic to get what you want. And so he, he decides, I'm not gonna listen to mom. I'm not gonna listen to dad. I'm gonna marry this woman because she looks good. She didn't catfish me online. She looks like she says she looks. And then as he's going down the road, he sees the dead lion that he conquered in the last moment he was there. And it says he goes off the path and he goes to the dead lion and he, he finds some honey inside and he eats, he eats the honey. And it's easy to judge Samson, isn't it? Because we are like, that's nasty. But we all go to dead places to find something sweet, don't we? And, uh, and so in this moment, he breaks one of the vows. Remember, he was a Nazarite set apart from birth, and he had to take a couple of vows. And one of them was to not touch anything dead. Not only did he touch something dead, he ate some honey out of something dead. Nasty. And so I told you, leave the honey alone. Turn to your neighbor, say, leave the honey alone. Leave the honey alone. Leave the honey alone. That's a word. Leave the, I know it looks sweet. I know it looks good. But stop going to dead places to find life. And so we see him break that first vow. And then what happens on his wedding, as he's going down, he decides to throw a bachelor party, a kegger. The other vow he wasn't supposed to drink was to never drink. And he decides to drink and it ends up costing him. And he ends up having to kill all of these people. And he makes this like crazy riddle. He tells this riddle and he tells his wife who he trusts tells her the riddle and it says that she nagged him for seven days with her tears. And I told you ladies, don't be nagging your men just to get something that you want. But then Samson makes the mistake and he says, if you wouldn't have plowed with my heifer, I wouldn't have told you my riddle. And men, I told you, never call your woman a heifer. No matter how much she cries, don't do it. And so all of a sudden he finds himself captured. He ends up having to, to kill all of these people with the jawbone of a donkey. Again, not supposed to touch anything dead. But he finds and he uses something dead to accomplish and kill all these people. And then we find him 
We find him in that moment where he is desperate in the desert, where after he murders these men, he's out in hiding and he finds himself desperate. And in, this is where we ended last week, but it says this in Judges 15, 19. It says that then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So it's in this moment of, of great desperation that God cries out or that Samson cries out to God. And in your greatest moment of desperation, who you ask help from matters, does it not? And so he cries out to God. And what we learned is that when we allow our deepest need to drive us to God, God will meet our deepest need. And then verse 20 says this, and I don't wanna skip over it because it's an important verse. This is where we ended last week. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the day of the Philistines. Now, let me tell you why that's important because it's this verse, verse 20, that summarizes 20 years of Samson's life. 20 years of faithfulness. See, he was called to lead, to judge the people of Israel during the time of captivity. And it's in this verse, no matter what's happened in his past, no matter what's happened with his failures, it's in this verse that we learn. But, but because of the faithfulness of God, it says that he provided him water in the desert and his soul was strengthened and revived. And from that strengthened place and from that revived place, Samson was faithful and did what he was called to do for the next 20 years. And here's what we're gonna pick up today. Judges 16, verse one. Here's what it says. It says, one day, say one day. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Hold up. Samson. Like, what are you doing? 20 years of faithfulness? Like, 20 years of faithfulness for one quick fix? Who would be stupid enough to throw it all away for one moment? We would. Every day. How, how, did, he, how did he go from this being this man who was so faithful for 20 years? Some of you have been faithful for 20 years. And after 20 years of faithfulness, he failed. You know, what takes years to build takes moments to destroy. It'll take years to build your reputation, but moments to, to destroy your reputation. How did he get there? How do we find ourselves after 20 years of faithfulness and doing what God's called us to do? How do we get to the place where we make another mistake and go do the same old thing that we used to do and struggle with? It starts out and says, one day, say one day. If you've ever read the story of David and Bathsheba, David was a great king and it says, and it starts the exact same way. It says, one day when kings were supposed to be at war, David stayed at home and he decided to, to take a stroll on his roof and look, overlook his palace and his kingdom and everything that he had conquered. And he sees a woman bathing on top of a roof and he believes the same lie that Samson believes and says, I gotta have her, bring her to me. And he ends up having an affair with Bathsheba and murdering her husband Uriah to cover it up. How did it start? One day. Samson 
started with one day. And it says that the people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They, they made no move during the night saying at dawn, we'll kill him. So here Samson is, he, he makes a mistake and it says that he goes down to Gaza. And here's why this is important. Because see, Gaza was about 25 miles away from where he was. 25 miles away from his hometown. And it's like, how, how could you blow 20 years of faithfulness in a walk that took 25 miles? Here's how. Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. He ruined it one step at a time. I, while you was working today, I got to break up the monotony of me being on stage. Um, see, Gaza was 25 miles from where he was. And what that meant was, as you was working, I, uh, I decided to try to figure out how many steps it would take to walk 25 miles. And so you know how many steps it takes to walk 25 miles at this pace right here? Like 52,000. And do you know what that meant? It meant that as Samson was walking those thousands and thousands of steps, it meant that he had thousands and thousands of opportunities to stop and say, you know, this is stupid. 52,000 opportunities to go, what am I doing? 52,000 opportunities to say, ah, I'm better than this. I'm strong enough. It didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. And here's why, and here's the topic for today because he believed the lie of pride and thought, I can handle it. I can handle it. I'm strong. I've been faithful for 20 years. I know that I failed at this area in my, my last 20 years, 20 years ago, but it's been 20 years. I can handle it. And what does he do? He walks to Gaza and he sleeps with a prostitute. because we don't mess up our lives all at once. We mess them up one step at a time when we believe this lie of pride, which many scholars call the root sin, where we think, I can handle it. It's not a big deal. I'm strong enough. I'm faithful enough. And so what we do is we will step our way into Gaza. See, Gaza was, was known as the place where all of the, the, the officials were. It was, it was town square. It, it was leaders. And Samson risked 20 years of faithfulness to walk step by step into the middle of the area. And, you know, I don't know what it is for you. I don't, I don't know what steps you're taking. You may be on step one. You may be on step 52,000. But what I do know is that every step you take further away from God is a step to destruction. And, and, and here's how it starts. It's not all at once. I've never met anybody who wakes up and says in 10 years, I wanna be so addicted to pornography that I live in a world full of lust and virtual reality. How does it happen? Scrolling on Instagram, searching that name, liking that picture, it's not enough. 
Googling something different, finding images you shouldn't look at, and all of a sudden it happened one click at a time. I've never, I've never met someone who said in 10 years, I'm gonna blow all the money I have and it's gonna cost my family. You know how it happens? It happens when you see something you want and you gotta have, but you can't afford, but you see that two-day shipping on Amazon and it's click. And then that didn't give you the hit you wanted. And so then it became something else and you saw the house that your neighbor bought that you have to have. And so now I'm gonna buy a house that I really can't afford, but I can make the minimum payment. So you buy a house, then you buy a car, then, and, and then you go, you know what? We live in Hendersonville and Gallatin. I mean, we live on the lake. We might as well buy a boat. And then what happens is you get yourself into one of those dumb pyramid schemes where they promise you can make, your, make enough money to get you out of debt. And then you pay a couple, couple, couple payments into the, to the pyramid scheme. And then you realize, oh no, this didn't work. But then you think you're an entrepreneur. So then you take out a loan to start a business. And then all of a sudden, sudden you've blown everything that you have and you find yourself in debt. Why? One swipe at a time. We don't ruin our lives all at once. No one wakes up and says, today I want to have an affair on my wife or on my husband. How does it happen? It happens with the flirtatious relationship at the gym. It happens that DM late at night that turns to a text message, that turns to an ask for help, that then turns to we need to meet for lunch, and all of a sudden you have thrown away 20 years of faithfulness because of one conversation at a time. Is this not how it works? And so Samson, we find him walking his way into leadership circle, believing this lie that he can handle it. And here's the, I wanna show you some ways where Samson's small compromises lead to very large consequences. And the first thing that you see him do is he taunts his enemy. Watch this, he's in, he's in Gaza at this point. Read verse two again. The people of Gaza were told Samson is here. So they surrounded the place, lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying that Don will kill him. Verse three, but Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. He's like, rah, I'm a man, right? And he's like, I got you. Like I'm, I ripped off your doors and he taunts his enemy. He says like, I'm strong. Scholars say that that door that he ripped off was almost 700 pounds so some here, Samson, his shoulder pressing 700 pounds like nana nana boo boo to the, to the enemy. Right, the door represented their security. And he says, oh, you, oh, you think you're secure. But when I'm in town, mm -mm, Samson is here and Samson is strong. And so he, he, he believes this lie of pride and he taunts his enemy and he underestimates the power that his enemy actually has. Oh, that's a word for us. We underestimate the power of the enemy who is like a lion roaring to devour, looking to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But Samson thinks, oh, I can handle it. I ripped apart the, the jaw of the lion last time. Oh, what's the big deal? I can handle the enemy. And so for some of us, y'all, we, we continue to taunt the enemy, believing the lie of pride, and we'll find ourselves walking into situations and seeing how close we can get to the edge without falling in. And we think, oh, we would never do that. I'm strong enough. Oh, I'm faithful. And so Samson, he, 
He taunts the enemy. And then maybe one of the worst things that could have happened, happened, he gets away with it. And that's the tricky thing about pride is that so oftentimes those small steps of compromise that you're leading to a big consequence, they don't have the consequence while you're walking them. And so you, you think, oh, I got away with it. I'm good. This ain't a big deal. And so Samson, he gets away with it. And then it takes the turn in the story. Verse four, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sork whose name was Delilah. Still singing about Delilah today. Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York? Right? Delilah. What happens? He gets away with it. And then it says, sometime later, here Samson goes again. Falling in love with Delilah. Sees Delilah, thinks, mm, she looks good. Now, what's Delilah's roots? We talked about Samson's roots. Let's talk about Delilah's roots. It says that Delilah was from the valley of Sarek. And what that word means, and so again, words have significant meaning in scripture. The, the valley of Sarek was the place of abundant wine, the fertile spot. Sorek was also known as the draining system from the hills of Judah. And so here this woman is in the valley of Sorek. And then what's her purpose? Samson was to set the people free. Let's look at Delilah's purpose, verse five. That's her roots in the valley of Sorek. It says, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can fill him, that was twice. See if you can lure him into showing the secret of his strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shackles of silver. So her purpose is to drain him of his strength. Where does she live? In the valley of Sorek. And so here Samson is going down to the place of great wine and fertile women into the valley of Sorek where Delilah is there to drain his strength. Sorek means the draining place. So let's watch how Samson throws his strength down the drain. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. What a great question. Tell me the secret to your great strength. What's the secret to your great strength? Where does your love, where does your love lie? Where does your strength lie? Can I just tell you that your strength doesn't, doesn't lie in your ability to perform? but your strength comes from God's grace. You need to remember that. That's where your strength comes from. So she says, tell me the secret to your strength. How are you big? How are you so strong, Samson? I mean, I see you've been doing, you know, curls for the girls, Samson. You've been taking steroids for strength, Samson. Tell me the, tell me the secret to your great strength. It reminds me of his first wife that wanted to know the secret of his riddle. And see, I love what Samson says next, maybe because he remembered last time I kind of said the riddle thing and then I had to light foxes on fire and kill all these people. I don't want to do that again. So he says, you know what, I'm going to mess with her. 
And I love what the, this version says, and, and, and I, I study a lot of different versions as I prepare for messages, and one of the versions, is, it says this. I thought, I thought this was really funny. We're not gonna use it today, but I just wanted to tell you what it was. It, he's messing with her, and he says, um, if you tie me up with seven new thongs, I'll be as weak as any other man. Now, we're not gonna use that version today, because when I think of thongs, I think of uh, the sandals on my feet, <laughs> and I hate sandals on my feet, amen. So we're gonna use the NIV version today. We're not gonna use the old version. It says this, Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings, that's what he calls them now, that have not been tried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been tried and she tied him with them. When men, with men hidden in the room, she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. So he's messing with her. He don't want to tell her his secret. So then the next time, it, I'm going to summarize for a little bit for time's sake. And he says, okay, I'm just messing with you. Um, if you get seven new ropes and you tie me up, I'll be as weak as any other man. Then Delilah cries out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And then he breaks out of the ropes. And then he, she's like, why are you lying to me? Why are you messing with me? He's like, okay, okay, okay. How about this? Um, if you take the, the seven braids of my hair and, and, you, and you tie them together, see, he's getting closer and closer to telling the secret one step at a time. You remember where his strength came from, his hair. The Nazarite vow was to not drink. He failed that one. Don't touch anything dead. Failed that one. But the third vow he hadn't broken yet was having his head shaved. He said, if you tie my braids, if you tie me up with my seven braids on my hair, he had dreadlocks, by the way. <laughs> he did. And uh, I love him. And he, uh, and he said, then I won't be able to get out. I'll be as weak as any other man. So she ties him up with his braids. Doesn't work. And then here's what she says to him. How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Uh-oh, here we go again. If you were here week one, you figured it out. This is the third time you've made me a fool and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Men, help me out. With such it ain't on the screen yet. Verse 16. Men, help me out. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Now, I'm going to be real gentle. But when things get repeated in Scripture, you got to pay attention. Come on now. You better hush. <laughs> With such nags, he couldn't take the nagging. Now, I'm not going to talk to you about the nagging women, but what I do want to talk about is the lie of pride. Because see, a lot of times in men's life, it, it comes out in the words of like, I can handle it. It's not a big deal. You know what it comes out a lot of times in other ways? I can control them. I can change them. Remember, what was Delilah's purpose? To control him. To change him. To empty him of his power. To empty him of his strength. And what happens is, is this idea that I can control somebody or I can change someone really comes from the same spirit of pride. It's just wrapped in manipulation, wrapped in insecurity. Because you think the version of him that you want him to be is so much better than the version of him he actually is. Men, you think that the version of her that, she, that you want her to be your version is so much better. It's, it's the lie of pride and you think I can control them. I can change them. Let me just tell you, you can't change somebody. Only God can do that. Right. Let me talk to my single people. Don't be dating people thinking I can change them. Yeah. 
You don't marry for potential. You marry for purpose. Right, and so she's here, here she is, and it's just, I just gotta stop here because I know I've been picking on the men a lot, but I just gotta go, hey, listen, um, be careful. Don't, women, don't allow your, maybe your insecurity or your, your fear of being out of control to cause you to nag in such a way and manipulate in such a way and use what the Lord gave you in such a way to get what you want. Men, pay attention. Samson was strong enough to kill a lion with his bare hands. Strong enough to kill a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. But he wasn't strong enough to lead his woman. Can I just tell you, far too many men are not leading in the area that matters most. They're following. You can be good at business. Be good at business. Be a good, honorable man of integrity in your business. Work hard, provide for your family. It's part, listen, it's a part of the role God has given you. But you were called to lead. You were called to lead your family. And Samson had all this great strength, but he followed in the area he was called to lead. I gave you the definition last week, men, godly men do four things. They reject passivity, they accept responsibility, they lead courageously, and they invest eternally. You want to know an application from this? Which one of those do you need to spend a little bit more time in? And, and listen now, this isn't me by any means trying to shame you or guilt you or call you out. I want to call you up to being the man God called you to be. Can I get a better amen? amen. And so watch what Samson does after her nagging says, so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were straight, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. He tells her the secret and it cost him. See, Samson, he not only taunted his enemy, like he didn't just, put it in his face like, oh, I can control this, I'm better than you and all that kind of stuff. He, he did a couple of other things as well. He assumed his disobedience would never cost him. He, he thought, I can handle it. I'm good. I, I can put myself in situations because, well, I, I found victory there before. And so he, he finds himself rationalizing the same old sin. So he taunts his enemy. He thinks his disobedience would never cost him. And he finds himself rationalizing the same old sin and he tells her everything. Verse 19, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. What did he do? He didn't mess up his life all at once. He messed it up one step at a time. He assumed his disobedience towards God, that all those steps away from God would never cost him. Watch verse 20. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come. Oh, sorry, it's my lady voice. That's all I got <laughs> to capture you. Watch this now. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. 
but he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. He thought, my disobedience ain't gonna, ain't gonna cost me nothing. And he rationalized the same old mistake thinking, I've gotten away from it before. I've gotten out of this situation before. I can do it again. It's pride. L let me just tell you, I know you think that you're getting away with it. And you may only be one step in or you may be 30,000 steps in. But it will come after you and it will cost you. My prayer is that it wouldn't cost you what it cost Samson. It says that the Lord left him. He broke his vow, third one, three starts you out, bro. Now, let me just say this because this is unpopular preaching. Um, God's love, hear me say this, God's love is unconditional. When we say he will never leave you nor forsake you, his love is unconditional. But the blessing of God, oh, it's conditional. What do I mean? Well, I mean the same thing Paul talks about when he says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. What I'm saying is, is that the gift, the blessing may have been given to you in grace, but it's sustained in obedience. And we think that it'll never cost us. We think, oh, well, God's hand's been on my life for, for my whole life. It's fine. He's not gonna, he's not gonna pull his blessing. And the, God in this moment does the most gracious thing he can do to Samson and he removes his strengths. You know why? So Samson would see how desperate he actually is. And let me just tell you, the blessings that God has given you, we think it applies to everybody else, that God's economy works with everybody else, but doesn't work with us. Let me just tell you that the blessing of God is attached to your obedience and you start walking away from God. It's not that he doesn't love you, that he removes his blessing. He removes his blessing because he's trying to show you how much you actually need him and you're taking advantage of what he's given you. Isn't that what Samson did his whole life? He knew where his strength came from. He knew that his strength came from the Lord. And it's almost like in this moment, Samson remembered his roots. You need to remember your roots. See, Samson remembered, he says, if you shave my head, my strength will leave me. He goes back to the roots in which God said, your strength is not because of your curls for the girl, Samson. Your strength is because of me. And he remembers them for a second, but then he's laying in the lap of Delilah. Don't lay in the lap of Delilah. Don't believe the live lust. Don't believe the live pride. Don't just be driven by your emotions and what feels good in the moment. Instead, be led by the Spirit. And so Samson thinks, you know what? I can get away with this. I'm good. It'll never cost me. And I want you to watch as Samson's small compromises led to big consequences. Here's what it says. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. Some translations say they burned his eyes out. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. How did a man with such great strength and potential on his life come to the point where his eyes are gouged out and grinding grain in a prison? One step 
at a time. I'm gonna ask you a question and I need you to be honest and I just want you to let it sit for a second. Where are you stepping away from God? Where are you stepping away from God? It's gonna cost you. And I don't know what it is for you, but every step you take away from God is a step towards destruction. And so right now I'm gonna summarize the whole message. So if you've fallen asleep and you think this is boring, that's fine with me. But listen, do not miss what I'm about to tell you. If you have stepped away from God, let me give you one piece of advice, turn around. Somebody say, turn around, turn around. Why? Because I know you've stepped away from God, but he's stepping right behind you. I know that you failed, but just because you failed doesn't mean that you're a failure. It's not who you are. Samson's strength didn't come from his ability to perform. His strength came from God. It was in his roots. And no matter how far he ran, he could not outrun the grace of God. And so listen, I know you may be stepping away, but God told me to tell you, turn around. And here's why. So good. What did Samson just lose? His hair. What did his hair signify? His devotion to God. By, by him losing his hair, it was publicly shamed. And everyone would have known he disobeyed God. He broke his vow. Let me tell you why you gotta turn around. Verse 22, before long, his hair began to grow back. Whoo, you missed it. Why did his hair grow back? Because he had roots. His strength was rooted in something deeper than his mistakes. I love this. Why is this verse in here? Because God is wanting you to know that no matter how far you run, when you turn around, your strength will come back. Turn around and watch what God will do in your life. I'm not talking remorse. I'm talking repentance. Remorse is feeling guilty for what you've done. Repentance is turning away from what you've done. When you repent, your hair grows back. Hey, don't miss next week. You need to get here. You need to bring somebody with you because we're gonna talk about what do you do when you failed? And every one of us in here have failed. What do you do when you have made mistake after mistake after mistake and you start to believe the lie, it is too late for me. Don't miss next week. But right now I wanna pray for you. I wanna give you the opportunity that whether you're on step one or step 50,000 away from God, I wanna encourage you right now to turn around and experience His grace, experience His forgiveness. May your soul be revived and your soul be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Will you stand with me? Um, God, right now, I just pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that as we find ourselves in between pain, in between questions, God, that we would dig deep roots in you that you would remind us that who we are and our purpose is not determined by our past mistakes and failures, that we may have walked in the wrong direction for 20 years, but when we turn around, we experience your mercy new every morning. And so God may today in whatever area it may look like, God, would you just give us the faith to turn around, see your face and embrace your love for us. Would you strengthen us today? Would you revive our soul? And if you're praying right now for God to strengthen you, to strengthen you in an area where you feel like I'm tempted 
to believe this lie of pride and I'm walking away. If you're, if you're believing God to strengthen you and meet you in this place right now, will you lift your hand? I wanna just pray for you. Come on, hands are going up everywhere. Father, I pray for every hand lifted right now. God, that you would strengthen them, that they would turn around and they would experience your goodness and your grace. May their hair grow back. Remember, God, give them, give them the clarity to remember their roots that were given by you. You can put your hands down right now. I want to give those of you an opportunity who have been stepping away from God to turn around, to repent from your sin and to pursue the Lord. And if that's you and that's your prayer today, you're turning around and you're repenting from your sin, will you lift your hand up? I just want to pray for you. Come on. Amen. I want you to know God's hand is on your life. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is right behind you. No matter how far you run from him, he will always run after you. So right now, God, I, I pray for the hands that are lifted in this room that are turning to you today for the first time. And church, will you just pray this out loud for the benefit of those whose hands are raised? Will you pray this? Say, God, I love you. Today, I turn around. I believe that you died for me, that you rose from the grave so that I can be forgiven and free. God, strengthen me and help me follow you for all the days of my life. Love you so much. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.